You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. I'm Avery Smith, and I'm here to invite you to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi-faith podcast of transgender stories. Whatever your own relationship to gender and spirituality may be, you will find yourself enriched by the stories shared by my guests, who so far have ranged in religion from Christian and pagan to Jewish, Sikh, atheist, and beyond, and have hailed from the U.S., Chile, Poland, Australia, and more. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts, or read along with episode transcripts by visiting blessedarethebinarybreakers.com. See you there. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. In this episode, I speak once again with Lucian Greaves, co-founder and spokesperson of the Satanic Temple. And we are going to talk about his new album, Satanic Planet, and probably a lot more. We'll see. But before we get to that, I have to thank my patrons. My patrons are the lifeblood of this show. I truly could not do this without them. This show takes an enormous amount of work from scheduling to recording, editing, mastering, and then promoting. It is a huge amount of work and your support is really what makes it possible. And this is my plea to everyone. If you have an independent creator that you love, someone that you tune into every single week, a YouTuber or an artist or a podcaster, please support them. Independent creators really, really rely on you. And so if it isn't me, then please let it be someone else because social media is so unstable for independent creators and we really rely on you to support us financially. All right. So for this week, I have to thank Tara Stolas and Fidelis Owl. Thank you so much. You are my personal lords and saviors. And if you want to join their number, just click the link in the show notes. Go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long and you will get extra content every week. Also, this show is sponsored by the TV. If you are interested in weird fringe new religious movements, the occult rituals, lectures and all kinds of stuff, they have live streams, they have movie nights, then please go to the TV and at checkout, use my promo code SACREDTENSION, all caps, no space, and you will get one month free. All right. Well, with all of that finally out of the way, Lucian Greaves, welcome back. Good to be here. It's been a while. How's life? How are you doing? Not bad. I would say getting back to normal, but uh, not really. 
Yeah, you know, we were just chatting before the show about like how both of us, you know, quarantine is slowly being lifted. And so it's like we go out into the sunshine and realize that we don't actually like it and then just turn around and go back inside, <laughs> back into back into solitude. Yeah, people are going to start taking it personally. I've been getting a lot of messages from people want to meet up or whatever and uh, <laughs> just not not there yet. I understand. It has been a painful, terrible, awful time. It has also been great for some introverts. It has been fantastic. Like I've gotten so much reading done. I've gotten so much writing done. It's actually been, you know, COVID has been bittersweet because it's like it's such a global terror and so awful and yet my personal life is fantastic and so it's like trying to deal with that dichotomy is weird so you have a new album out and you were teasing it on our last episode that we did together at the very end so it's finally out and it is called satanic planet i have listened to the album uh, especially the song Exorcism. I fucking love that song, and I don't know how many times I've played it. And I was honestly really surprised by it because it's it feels very alien. It's a very alien and uncomfortable album in a good way. And I, I like that feeling. I like that alien, otherworldly feeling that music can give me sometimes. And, and Satanic Planet has that all over the place. Well, you say alien in a good way, but uh, I, I think a lot of people have been a little irritated by... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If uh, social media comments are any gauge, uh, there's some people who are really upset that it doesn't fit nicely in with, within the confines of the parameters of a specific genre. But, but uh, How so? I guess like, that's like mostly what? the metal crowd. The metal crowd is really... Uh, really rather purist about uh oh yeah what they consider metal and we never claim to be metal and they're pissed <laughs> off that we're not <laughs> i mean the the number of endless stupid debates i have witnessed in the metal community which i am i'm on the very periphery of it's it's uh pretty fucking hilarious so it isn't metal enough but i i i don't know it it has this kind of industrial savage grind to it that I really 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 like that I can't really I can't really think of any other musician that that has a similar feel to it. Well that's good. I think that's a point in our favor. Absolutely. I mean, some people get upset by that, but uh other people, you know, eat that up and to uh to be honest, I'm really not sure at all where we're at with like sales you know uh, uh even though tst we've done our our own vinyl edition uh the red one uh, that uh that's exclusive to tst and there's three other vinyl editions each limited to 666 666 uh being sold through 31g um i have no idea where the sales are from that but uh well yeah. i think it it looks like downloads on Spotify are doing pretty well. That's where I listen to it. Let's see here. Oh, you you can see the stats. Do you want that. to do you want to know the stats on Spotify? I I didn't know that was available to everybody. I thought that I was mean like I mean it's stuff. To... I mean it it just shows how many monthly listeners you have. So you have five thousand two hundred three monthly listeners, which for an album that just came out is pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll take it. Yeah. So, um, tell us some about the the story of this album where did it come from how did it start well 
there's this band Planet B, and uh, that consists of both Luke and Justin, who are both in Satanic Planet with me. And uh, Justin has this band he started back in like the 90s called The Locust, and it's kind of this screamy punk type act that I, I really like. I've liked them from almost the, the beginning of their their music career. And uh, I like Planet B too. And uh, Justin's also in a band called Dead Cross and he's in Dead Cross with Dave Lombardo. Who's oh, now of course. Drummer. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was a drummer for Slayer and, and Fantomas and Dead Cross. The vocalist is uh, Mike Patton. And I was doing an interview with some metal magazine in the UK and they, as part of that, they wanted me to talk about some of my favorite music. And I, I mentioned Dead Cross. Uh, their album was freshly released, I think, around that time. And that was something new that I liked. And apparently, this caught Mike Patton's attention. He showed the other guys. And then Justin reached out to me, uh, wanting to know if I would be on his podcast, the a podcast he does with, with Luke. So... They came to Salem to record it, and we hung out for a while. And then at some point, it was discussed that we should do a project together. But we were thinking like a spoken word type album, you know, Mm -hmm. rituals, uh, you know, invocation, that kind of thing. And then we started exchanging sound files, and they started getting weirder and weirder. (laughs) And I started experimenting with like, you know vocal effects and things like that but by the time we got into the studio we still didn't really have anything mapped out and i still had like stuff that i would would i wanted to lay down as a spoken word you know but that's really boring too to me you know if you just have a spoken word script and the music is just kind of uh, incidental in the background you know that's something you can only kind of listen to once you know and then it's a novelty item and it would have done fine as, as something like that, you know, but when we got into the studio and we started messing with different noise and rhythms and stuff like that, I started just hacking out lyrics specific to those, you know, and, and I, I really liked not being heavy handed with the message, you know, not putting too fine a point on it, not being preachy, leaving something to people's imagination and their own kind of subjective interpretation, because I think that's where artistic power can really be, you know. And with certain things, you just really want to capture an emotion more than anything else. Like, that's what music should do for you, right? You're not, you're not reading a peer-reviewed article or something like that. It's a whole different... Uh, Medium. Did I just hear a cat? Did I just hear a cat? You need to show me your cat. Yeah, the cat uh, just loves to pull the shit when it's interview time. Okay, uh, no, that's, day, that's fine. fine. Sorry, I, I, get on a call or I, I totally interrupted you. <laughs> like, I have six cats. Everyone knows I have six cats. I'm a crazy cat lady. And so anyway. Come here. It feels very, um, I don't know. I picture rituals taking place to some of the music. Like, yeah, well, I, the like I imagine a black mass taking place to some of the music. Well, the unbaptism track was specifically based on the unbaptism ritual. <gasps> there and, she is. Uh, he, she, she, she. We are we are 
completely forgetting that this is not a visual medium at all and people are going to (laughs) so lucian has a very pretty black and white cat what's your cat's name the kitten the kitten yeah oh very original yeah she's had that name ever since she was a little baby oh very nice um (laughs) like you know listening to to exorcism which is my favorite song off the album has inspired me to write a black mass roughly based on the like slaying of aslan the lion in in uh the first narnia book and like satanizing that scene turning that scene into because i was raised with that like i was i was raised being read narnia and you know the the have you read the narnia books are you at all familiar I'm with, I'm familiar with like the premise, but I have not. Okay, not well then I won't I won't go on a rant. But no, like it. Oh, you I, can give away whatever spoilers you like. Aslan dies. So does Dumbledore. That's all you need to know. Um, <laughs> but moral of the story, I I picture rituals being performed to this music. Well, that's kind of some of the idea, too. At least on baptism, we wanted to do kind of an extended version of it for the live shows and, you know, hopefully do unbaptisms on the stage. You know, we'll bring Shiva along, Shiva Honey, absolutely, guest uh, vocalist on the album. And, uh, you know, hopefully make the whole performance kind of uh, uh, an interactive experience for people more than a passive experience where they're watching watching the band alone, I kind of feel like it should feel more like they're, they're congregants at a large satanic congregation. Where, where they have to, yeah, where they definitely had to forfeit their eternal soul to get in. Right, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they should, I, I, I like the idea, you know, when we do events or, uh, you know, when Satanic Planet plays live, that if there's people who are on the fence or really haven't shaken free of their prior programming, that they leave just wondering if they went too far. <laughs> like, am I going to hell now? <laughs> um, for people who don't know, because I do have a lot of non-satanic listeners, could you tell people what a what an unbaptism is? Well, uh, the unbaptism, similar to the Black Mass, is kind of a declaration of independence from superstition. And uh, the unbaptism ritual specifically tries to wipe away that history and that... Uh, in those kinds of uh, uh, regressive, counterproductive cognitive programs that have been instilled in somebody. It really make them kind of focus on undoing that, you know, and being free of it, liberated from it. And, uh, you know, to a lot of people, that's deeply meaningful, especially people who feel that they came up in a repressive, superstitious environment imposed upon them by some archaic religion, uh, you know, rituals like this really help kind of anchor a moment in time for them when they have their awakening into a world of reality. Mm. I think I talked to, talked about this with Shiva when she was on the show last time, but in terms of an unbaptism, thinking about my own baptism, you know, symbol is powerful. And even, even when we want to you know, for I, I feel like for some people it might not be as powerful, but then there are some people, and especially some communities, where symbolism is incredibly powerful. So I was baptized as an infant when I couldn't consent to that, 
to this momentous community ritual that I couldn't consent to. And it's like I have lived with the ripples of that social, publicly recognized ritual that I didn't consent to for my entire life. And I had nothing to do with it. I, w- I, ha- I did not consent to it. And on a, on a social level and psychological level, not that I am somehow you know carrying some kind of repressed trauma of that memory, but on a social level, the power of that symbol is enormous because there are people who remember that. There are people, and I was raised in a church where it happened. And, and so now that I am no longer a Christian, and now that I'm a Satanist, and unbaptism is something that I really want to do at some point, because I never consented to that ritual. And no matter how much some of us want to denigrate the power of symbol and ritual, we live in a social reality. <laughs> we, we live in a constructed social reality where symbol and ritual has enormous impact. Yeah, no, we, we absolutely do. And it's, it's kind of a way of reclaiming your life as your own. I mean, as you said, you grow up in an environment in which you, you can't consent to this or it's done to you at an age at which you don't know any better anyway. Uh, there's a significant amount of coercion that goes along with also instilling ideas that might not be the most productive for you to hold. So really feeling comfortable with doing away with that is really important. And part of feeling comfortable with that, I think, is, you know, being in an environment with people where you feel that you're, you're on the same terms with one another, and that mm. you, you understand this, <laughs> this element of yourself. And that's why, you know, these things can be very important. And I, I really hope to incorporate that into our live shows because that makes it so much more powerful than just coming and seeing a, a band play their absolutely th- their music straight through the way they the way they recorded it in the studio. Were you the lyricist? Oh yeah, yeah. For for all the songs. What was what was the process of writing the songs? What what inspirations did you draw from? Were there any was there anything any primary like symbols or images or pieces of literature that you were drawing from as you wrote these lyrics? Well, there's one that I didn't write the lyrics for, but I pulled a passage from Revolt of the Angels. And I changed some of the words because there were archaic words for Jehovah in there uh, that I thought would have more impact if you know, it was clear that everybody knew who, who we're talking about here. And so is that Ayala Bayoth? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, th- so that that was like, a, you know, that was like the one kind of spoken word track that that remained from the idea of doing a spoken word album. There's a video for that one now even. Um, and there were a number of things I wanted to touch upon. Uh, also, when doing the spoken word, when we thought we'd do something with the standard invocation that the satanic temple usually gives if we're uh, allowed to give our invocations where they allow them in public spaces and they usually open, you know, city council meetings with a Christian prayer or whatever, or we have to litigate when they say no. Um, but we ended up, or I ended up revising those lyrics to be more into, uh, you know, to work more with the song as well. And that kind of turned into a song 
but we still thought we were going to be doing a one-off album. So I was trying to cover like different aspects of Satanism and the Satanic Temple. Mm. So we had a gray faction track in there. And as I said, on, on baptism, we never actually did do uh, a black mass one or other, or other rituals clearly. And you see that, uh, you know, as we move forward and I think, uh, the ideas became more abstract, you know, you see other types of tracks in there that don't really follow, follow any of that. Um, that's when we got, uh, uh, pretty used to the idea that we were just going to be working on music, you know, and we were doing the studio sessions just before COVID lockdown. I mean, I, I, I literally had just returned from traveling when I, was, when I was in San Diego and in the studio and straight into lockdown uh, for COVID. And we had all of the tracks laid out. Um, but then I thought as like a B-side or maybe for the next album or whatever. Uh, I was in Salem and I started recording stuff and I started working on the Strangers track. And Strangers was made entirely remotely and we ended up throwing it on the album. And at that point, I think you see a, a complete departure from trying to put any, uh, any real Satanism-specific message into the music. And to me, that's progress. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. To me, we're, we're able to break free of any type of formulaic approach we may have had. And, and you know, uh, even though we didn't really confine ourselves very much on the first album, we were still kind of like working through the idea of, you know, evolving from the idea of mm. doing spoken word to actually doing music. So, um but Were yeah, you doing I, I don't know. I think we covered quite a few things in the. I think so <laughs> yeah. too. No, I think so too. Did you do any of the singing, or were you all the um, the the spoken word? Oh, I'm most of the voice you hear. I think on the album, um, you know, the real screaming parts are usually Justin. He and I are both screaming on unbaptism. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. For the most part, uh, you know, in the verses and things like that, and. Certainly the robot voices and everything, that, that's me. I love the robot voices. The robot voices are so good. Speaking of robot voices, uh, Baphomet, a uh, song with the music video, which is fantastic. Talk some about the, because it is your highest listened to song, your most listened to song on Spotify is 45,000 listens on Spotify. What went into that song? What was, especially the lyrics. I think what I appreciate the most about that song is how it seems like you are trying to articulate the duality and reconciliation of opposites that Baphomet represents in that song. Yeah, that, that was exactly it. And so I'm, you know, counterposing these different things, mm -hmm. cruel, benevolent, the infidel hierophant, those types of things, just into the lyrics of this track. And it, that was one of those where we kind of just finished that one off at the end of the studio sessions because we had kind of like this great musical background. And I kept, I, I feel like I kept overthinking what would be done with the vocals, you know what I mean? And for the vocals, I kept trying to come up with different voices, you know, uh, that was really the only way I could think of to kind of approach the vocals, you know, it was almost, uh, method acting and in, in certain tracks you know at the beginning of 
the exorcism track that's kind of like my demonic possessed voice you know going through that kind yes of <laughs> at the beginning and uh the the gray faction voice uh which I ended up just kind of using on the Baphomet track. We had recorded Grey Faction first. I was at first kind of going through for this kind of uh, abused, ill, and desperate sound, you know, and it just turns out to be like this kind of uh, amateurish throat singing kind of thing. And then it, it, it uh, I think we started calling it like the evil monk voice or something like that. <laughs> But, but but it actually, like, it was getting into a mindset where I was uh, thinking, like, okay, how would an abused patient of, uh, you know, inpatient maybe sound after coming out of, like, a week of isolation or something like that, you know? That was the <laughs> kind of thinking that you wouldn't went know into it. it. So this is, what it, this is what you sounded like when you emerged from quarantine after a year. Well, <laughs> my, my raspy voice in Strangers was actually, you know, some kind of... Uh, attempt to emulate uh emulate a kind of raspy respiratory infected type of uh-huh. <laughs> condition you know, strangers is like half of a covid song you know at first i start out with this theme of like the uh just the horror of the unseen more generalized you know mm-hmm. but i had just gone into lockdown so obviously my mind keeps coming back to to COVID and thus in the lyrics, you have that reference to cracked and bleeding, feeling rough, disinfectant, not enough. You know what I mean? It was was actually kind of, uh, it was in your psyche. Well, it was actually uh, right there present in my life. I think uh, at the point I was rasping those lyrics into the microphone in Salem, uh, I think my hands literally were cracked and bleeding. This was before they had done, run like analysis of surface transmission and things like that. And I just disinfected the shit out of everything and went into lockdown. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> you know, was- have you have you seen the movie The Andromeda Strain, that old movie where they they have to like go into this cleaning chamber and they strip naked and they like have to have all the hair seared off of them and then incinerated and like the top layer of their skin isn't is incinerated off and then they're covered in chemicals that's basically what my life was like every single day when i got home from work so i never saw that i i grew to hold a real loathing for michael crichton oh um, me too yeah same (laughs) (laughs) so Speaking of music and Satanism, I feel like Satanism is having a moment in pop culture right now, especially with Lil Nas X. And you know, his, his video came out the same same time as the uh, Baphomet video came out. So clearly, his success is due to you. That's why his, <laughs> that's why his music video did so well. It's all because of you. No, so you had a really interesting statement on your Patreon. Uh, a really interesting article about Lil Nas X. Um, And I'm wondering if you could recap some of that here. Yeah, I mean, it's always kind of disappointing to me when we're doing some of the important things that we're doing, you know, especially some of the really expensive litigation we go through, like uh, for reproductive rights. And there's not a whole lot of attention paid to it relative to something we don't have anything to do with, which is, you know, 
exactly the condition of the little Nas X video. I mean, people <laughs> are reaching out to me for a statement on somebody else's artwork. And mm. honestly, I couldn't say exactly what the nuances of the message were he was trying to express. And as people were asking me for interviews, little Nas X starts releasing more statements, which I also felt kind of made my statements irrelevant. Like, they're, they're mm-hmm. asking, how do you feel about this as a Satanist? And it just seemed a little ridiculous for me to claim I felt one way or the other about it. Yeah. Um, I could have my suspicions. I could have my personal opinion. But I didn't really feel like it was my place to say, like, as a Satanist, I feel this. Because if you're a Satanist and you watch that and you think, well, right on. That's the shit. More mm-hmm. power to you. Enjoy it, you know. And I'm not a part of that crowd that eschews pop culture stuff just because it's pop culture and decides to hate certain works of art or whatever just because they're doing well amongst the mainstream. Some things of merit actually have done good in in a widespread environment. And I know a a lot of stuff, in my opinion, that wins Grammys. I I don't understand what (laughs) what it's supposed to be worth. But hey, if you can enjoy it, enjoy it. Enjoy everything you can. Don't yeah. don't feel like you need to uh, that you're upping your own kind of worth as an elitist by by hating everything that people like. But uh, the little Nas X video, it's not necessarily my genre or not my my art. You know, it's, it's it not isn't my your scene. cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah which that, is okay. But, uh, doesn't mean I doesn't mean I dislike it. It's just maybe I'm not the guy to comment on it. But also, like, there's I don't think there was any sense in asking, like, as a Satanist, how do you feel about this? Because that type of representation of heaven, hell, Satan, it's so prevalent so as to be just part of the backdrop of people's minds when they have these kinds of representations of duality or whatever. That's just raw material for anybody to work with. Like, you'll see me get pissed off and make commentary when people are spreading bizarre satanic panic narratives and and, uh, and implying that these things are true or outright stating, of course, that these things are are true. But when, you know, if it's somebody taking a a trip to, to heaven and then going back down to hell and doing a lap dance to Satan or whatever, like... I think that's supposed to be taken symbolically, right? <laughs> and it's certainly not a commentary on Satanists as a community or whatever. So I wasn't going to do any interviews about it at first. I should have stuck with that. But uh, pretty soon I started getting reached out to by the journalists who I would do favors for. You know what I mean? People who would amplified our work before and, and really wanted a fresh angle on this hot news story or whatever and hoping I would talk to them. So I started talking to journalists about why I wasn't talking about the little Nas X video, why I didn't feel like it was my thing to talk about. And so that opened the door to interviews. And much to my disgust, some of the journalists decided to really cherry pick my quotes. And it's funny how they do this for the least significant stories, just to try to really... uh, really maintain some kind of sense of outrage or whatever. They, they really want the conflict or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you'd see some articles where it seemed like I was saying I endorsed the video. You'd see some where it 
seemed like it was suggesting that I was irritated by it, you know, that it was a poor representation of Satanism or whatever. But the truth is, is that I wasn't taking a position on any of that. And I yeah. thought it was ridiculous to ask me to take a position on, on that. And I thought it would have been ridiculous for me to have one, really. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, to me, it is very much a statement about the gay experience in the conservative world like that to me and and like listening to what Nazak said about it that to me it and he used satanic imagery to convey that and so i fucking loved it i thought it was fantastic and i would 100% you know do a do a uh a lap dance for Satan as a <laughs> you know as a statement of my queer satanic identity but for me watching it it was clear that it was more about LGBT than it was about Satanism the video wasn't even an hour old Will Nas X video when a friend of mine texted me the YouTube link and I had I had never heard of the artist even so I watched this video and I could tell that money was put into the video, you know? Oh like, my God. Clearly. So, so many, it was the, actually, I had the exact same thought with the WAP video. I'm like, so many children could be fed with the money from this video. <laughs> like so many, so many public schools built, so many parks can be built <laughs> from this music well, video. Well, well, but my <laughs> thinking was that, uh, you know, more to the immediate point for me was that this was surely a high profile act, right? Like this, this video was going to be seen far and wide, but it didn't occur to me that that controversy would, would happen. Like I, I didn't understand. I still don't understand. Can you, why can, you that really. can you specify which controversy? Just the controversy about the video at all. The, the yeah. alleged outrage. I, I know the the press really tried to, foment outrage and, and reached out to people like myself, I think, hoping that I would be pissed off about it or whatever, you know, whatever angle they could get on it. But uh, I just, I, I don't think it was entirely just a reaction of the press trying to get a reaction there. I think there was a, there, there was a real outrage there from what I understand, but I just, I don't understand that. I mean, to me, it's not, any more malicious than some of the old Looney Tunes cartoons I would see where there'd be an angel on one shoulder, a devil on the other. And right. I, you know. I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure probably the pole dancing to hell and then giving Satan a lap dance had something to do with it. Yeah, I guess I, <laughs> you're right. I think it's the homosexuality. It or, is. It is 100% the homosexuality. I mean, I, you know, I bet a lot of it had to do with here is a superstar who is who whose previous image was very like heartthrob dream boy. You know, he did Old Town Road. He and, and he is black as well. And then I think he eschewed a lot of gender stereotypes that are expected of a black male hip-hop artist and then and he just like went so hard into the queer aesthetic which i absolutely love like that's an aesthetic that i adore and i think there was probably a cultural cognitive dissonance <laughs> about that you know i i wonder if that was part of it yeah i think so uh 
<laughs> I, know. But, I hope one of our videos gets that kind of controversy. I mean, clearly what you need is me, okay, a big hairy bear on a on a on a pole, and I will give Baphomet a lap dance. This is I'm happy I'm happy to put like little pasties on on my jiggly bear hairy breasts, and I will give Baphomet in Salem a lap dance for your music video. It will be a fucking hit. Well, people, you know, people will love be, it. It'll be more of a hit, I guarantee you, than if we release it without a video. I, I'm now seeing <laughs> how important videos are to your track releases. Oh my god, yes, Baphomet video, and you know everybody saw that. And then uh, we were working with guys doing a video for Exorcism. And for whatever reason, that just fell through. And I, I hope we're still going to get an exorcism video at some point. But we ended up releasing the exorcism track without a video. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm actually one of these music listeners who seldom sees the video, you know. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that this was really important. Then we released exorcism and I thought this is a solid track. You know, people yeah. are going to eat this up. They're going to love it. It just really nobody really paid attention there just wasn't a video you know and then (laughs) people you know pissed off about not being metal or whatever or people like maybe this isn't actually industrial enough or whatever it's just not genre specific enough people getting pissed off about that and we already had on the schedule to after exorcism release the video for the self-titled track satanic Mm -hmm. planet Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, people are really going to be pissed off at this because not only is the video now this whimsical cartoon, but it's also the music is is much more difficult to to pin down because it's kind of it's it's different from what we had already released. The other ones being kind of like dark and grinding and this one almost more upbeat and and, Mm -hmm. and goofy. Thought, okay, they're really going to be pissed now. And that one came out. Nobody said a nobody said a <laughs> thing about it. Yeah, like the other ones got, you know, these these critics coming out and having their you know, their their problems with it uh, as ridiculous as some of them were. And then we 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 released a silly track and nobody had a problem with that at all. So I I'm just totally confused now. I have no idea what people like. <clears throat> well, you know, I this is an experience I have on a near weekly basis writing my blog where I've just come to the point where I've decided, you know, I've I've realized that I cannot predict what people will like and won't like. Like, I have no clue. And so I will come up with an idea for an article or a podcast episode and be like, oh, my God, people are going to fucking love this. Like, this is, you know, they're going to be all over this. And it's a dud, like no one reads it. And then there are, there's other stuff where I'm like, okay, this is a weird niche, boring thing, you know, like a review of a, of a, of a book of theology by an Eastern Orthodox theologian. No one's going to fucking read this thing and it blows up. Like, <laughs> I've just decided that there is no rhyme or reason to what people like. Like, I cannot predict what people want. I'm getting a little better with some things. I know if I spend a good deal of time writing an essay, you know, spend like a couple days, many hours, like just researching, writing, putting together an essay and then posting it. 
uh, that's going to be the least popular thing. Yes, exactly. It's always the ones that you spend the hours on. I take some <laughs> silly selfie wearing dumb sunglasses or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, the pink sunglasses. If it, as long as you have a have pink sunglasses, then it it's a hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, in, in a single picture too. There was a like when the uh, Satanic Planet video was released. It had its premiere through one of the music magazines. I think Revolver premiered that one. And I noticed that when we put it on the social media, we put the article that the video was embedded in. Mm -hmm. And then later on, when it was released on YouTube, I just posted the direct link to the, to the YouTube video. And then it seemed to catch on. Yeah. And I honestly think that going to an article... And then seeing the video in the article was too many steps. It's too much. It, yeah, right. Because but because it it's expecting people to read. Play it like people will do that. Yep, exactly. No, I mean I this is I feel like Twitter especially is really designed to work against creators in a lot of ways. I but I I just refuse to. How do I want to say this? What do I want to say? I'm more and more. I'm like, no, go read the fucking article. Like, do do the do the work, and and read the article because this thing is full of hot takes, and I'm not ever going to post it, post those hot takes on Twitter ever. So I'm I'm trying to reduce most of my opinions and most of my, I guess you could say, more controversial views in prose form in an article or a podcast because it's just safer that way and it's like trying somebody to else tea. to boil it down in the most uncharitable way in a tweet is what you end up with yeah here. or someone writes a medium article about me which is always fun um <laughs> but, uh, which has happened actually but so what's what's in the future for satanic planet what do you have planned well we're actually working on we're exchanging sound files again and talking about putting together the second album. And, uh, you know, we, we've already uh, kind of cohered a couple new tracks that I think are very interesting. Um, if you were worried we weren't going to keep it fresh and creative and weird, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love I love weird. Weird is up my alley. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's it's. Sounding really good. So far, we have a couple songs that sound uh, pretty lullaby-ish in a very evil way, um, <laughs> which is also partially a result of me getting uh, more more musical with my vocals themselves. So Excellent. Uh, and, and also some of the music uh, giving space for the uh, vocals to... Or, kind of leaving space and demanding that the vocals really lend the melody to it. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it, great. It's interesting. It's, it's entirely, it's entirely new, you know, there's no, no formula really where you can go in and be like, well, you know, I just, I found out I just do these things and this works out. Like, mm -hmm. um, actually, no, I think I do hear acts that do that, but we don't do that. <laughs> so I, I, I think, uh, I think the next one will be, better than the first and uh we're looking forward to touring but we still have no idea when where or how sure. that's gonna gonna work out uh you know we had a have a booking guy and a band manager and they were looking into festivals 
And it doesn't seem like it's really an option right now because the festivals now are kind of making up for the time they lost. So a lot of the festivals that are going to be playing coming up were booked over a year ago, you know, so we, we missed that boat. I think we have things coming to us for 2022 and 2023. I know we'll end up doing some stuff in 2021, just not mm. clear on, on when or where yet. And, and I'm not in a huge hurry, but um, it'll be fun. You know, I'm, I'm looking Absolutely. For- I'm just, I just have this visual image now of you singing lullabies. So dear listeners, you can all look forward to like metaphorically climbing into Lucian's lap and him singing you a lullaby. That's, that's yeah. the image that I have in my head. <laughs> Right. Uh, I don't know. Um, See, he will but, sing you a terrifying lullaby. Yeah, you might want to. You might want to hear it before you. Just <laughs> somebody to actually be there with you personally. Before you crawl into his lap. And, yeah. <laughs> very good. Well, that's that's fantastic. And so, do you have a a record deal for a certain number of albums? Well, here's the thing: we decided not to go with a label. Uh, okay. 3G is uh, is Justin's imprint, um, so I mean it is a label, but it's 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 his. It's an independent label, right? And so we actually uh, put forward the the money for the production cost, uh, the CDs and the vinyl and and everything else, because you know we were shopping labels, we were talking to labels, and it was uh, it's a little discouraging for me. You know, the guys I'm working with have been in the business long enough that, you know, they know what to expect. And and nobody threw anything at us that was, I guess, out of line, you know. Mm. But to me, like the idea of a label taking like half or more or whatever it was of even the digital sales. It's demoralizing. Yeah, yeah. You're getting such minor micropayments on anyways and they literally don't have to do anything you yeah. know to get those out there that's discouraging um but to be able to keep all the revenue and, and frankly i feel like we had our own kind of marketing already established you know uh as artists the entire band have some following you know that we could get the word out there and i think we did that i don't know if a label would have been able to do better for us getting us out there than than we were able to do ourselves and now you know the uh the revenue generated from the sales just goes back to us and that's the way i prefer it absolutely no so i think my friend matt langston interviewed you he's the front man of 117 i think he yes yeah he's great and you know, he was in the music industry with a label for years. And just the stories he tells of how horrible and demoralizing it was. By the way, fun fact, Matt Langston, former like Christian pop star from the band 117, uh, his his music is the theme music for the satanic ministry ordination lessons so oh, he's, nice. yeah so he's done this nice big turnaround <laughs> but no i independent is 
I think, where it's at. I've just heard so many demoralizing stories about the music industry. Yeah, I have some friends who've made it in the music business, or, or at least to the point that that's their job, you know, and, right. and they worked with labels. And I, I consulted with, with them, and uniformly, the answer was, if you can do it, do it without a label, you know. If you have that, uh, if that's available to you, go for it. And when we were talking to labels, you know, we had the benefit of, you know, more than one of us having lawyers willing to look over the contracts and stuff like that and seeing real non-starters that would be mm -hmm. redlined. They need your, but, they, they need to take your, your testes. They're going to, you know, take one of your arms. Well, <laughs> I mean, you, you have labels uh, trying to take even uh, a piece of merchandise now. Yeah, and that, that to me that's insane. You that know, insane. Like, especially uh, since that's really what don't make much at all, but through their merchandise. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's pretty clear that that is the only way they make money, is through the merch. Yeah. Yeah, and my understanding too is that CDs don't really sell either, unless you're on tour. People for some reason will buy them at the merch table. You know, mm -hmm. that's your best bet of, of moving CDs. I really have no idea how many we've sold. You know, I don't know how, how much of the vinyl is sold or how many of the CDs have sold. Um, get better as every track comes out and as the videos release. Uh, one of the videos we have coming out next week is directed by a talented director named Lola Blank. And she had been doing a podcast interview with me. She has her own podcast and uh, I mentioned Satanic Planet. And she said, well, if I can ever do a video and somehow, you know, this escalated into her actually doing a video for the devil and me track. Um, but it's also the, the video comes out next week, but it's also a submission now in uh, the LA shorts uh, film festival, which, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a pretty prestigious uh, uh, film festival for a short film to be in. And it's a, it's a really great, video and i'm looking forward to that coming out nice i can't wait this show will pro what, what day of the week is it coming out i don't know i just know it's coming out next week and uh, okay. today i emailed and said do we know what the specific <laughs> date is and no uh fangoria is gonna premiere it though oh nice i love fangoria so if it's so this show will probably come out saturday morning next week and so if it's a if it's out by the time the show releases then I'll put it in the show notes so everyone can go check it out. Oh, yeah, it should be out by then. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. So um, I think we're coming up to the end of our time here, unfortunately. It's always super fun hanging out with you. Any, any final thoughts that you want to impart to people? Uh, don't take it personally if I'm not hanging out with you. <laughs> yeah, he's still he he is perpetually in quarantine now. Yeah, I, I came out of quarantine. I just <laughs> right back. I lasted all of a couple of days, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm, I'm I, back to it." I, it was. I, I think I said this before we started recording, but I'll say it again. My partner, who is ridiculously introverted, I mean, he is the most introverted person I know. He was living his best fucking life through COVID. And honestly, I was too, because I am a sweaty underground gamer boy. 
and I've I have been practicing my whole life for COVID. Like I have been in basements playing video games for hours, practicing my whole life for this moment. Um, but the other day he was like, I think I'm so depressed because people are out now and it's really getting me down. Like he's he he looks around and there are other human beings and it's like this massive source of depression for him, <laughs> which I understand. Well, I think when we're touring, it's going to be one of these things where it's going to be this wild theatrical live show and you're going to be seeing fire, blood, you know, all kinds of things going on. Nice. And then you're, yeah. And I think everybody's probably going to be thinking like, wow, backstage parties must be wild. You know, (laughs) rupees and, you know, snorting cocaine or whatever. In reality, I think it'll just be like, reading a book in isolation, uh, you know, going out for sushi somewhere. That's the best. Uh, that's <laughs> the best kind of party. So no adrenochrome. Well, there's that, but that's just, uh, you know, that's just to live at this point. You know, when yeah, you that's, that's for sustenance. Nine years old. You know? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, but, you know, be sure to remember if ever you need a big fluffy bear to lap dance on Baphomet for a music video, just let me know. I will be there. Hey, right on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, everyone, go listen to Satanic Planet. It is streaming everywhere, I think. It should be streaming everywhere. It's definitely on Spotify, which means it's probably everywhere else. Um, My favorite song is Exorcism. You should listen to that one in particular, but the whole album is fantastic. And also check out the new music video. It will be in the show notes. And I think that's it. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. That is it for this show. As always, the music is by the Jelly Rocks and Eleven D Seven. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. The show is written and edited. No, hold on. This changed. This is different now. This, this show is written and performed by me, Stephen Bradford Long, and is edited and produced by Dante Salamoni. And as always, hail Satan. And thanks for listening. <laughs>